Good morning, Providence. We are thrilled that you're here with us this morning to celebrate Cross Purpose Sunday. We are officially, uh, last week, 10 years old uh, from actually when we actually stood up on this platform and said we have an idea. So <clears throat> is that like fourth grade? Is that 10 years old? So uh, we're still young. And uh, I like what Juan says in new staff onboarding. He said, if you're here for in the first 30 years of the ministry, you're in the ground floor. So uh, you are on the ground floor here. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our kids uh, for Kids City and New Reality. You're welcome to head to the back, and your program will begin. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 12. I want to start this morning with the, <clears throat> the book of Kobe Bryant, chapter 3, verse 16, where he said, may he rest in peace, uh, everyone looks at your watch, and it represents who you are, your values, and your personal style. Agree or disagree? Come on, y'all. It's not a really a hard question. Uh, look at your watch. Does that represent who you are, your values, and your personal style? Agree or disagree? Okay. If your watch determined your values, what does your watch say about you? <laughs> What's that? What? Yeah, but what does your watch say about you, Ray? Okay, so you don't ascribe to Kobe Bryant theology? What does your watch say about you? Anybody have, a, anybody have a nice watch? Nobody has a nice watch, so, yeah. What, what? Somebody has a nice watch? Who? Did, you have a nice watch? Oh, good, okay. Does it, does it, do you tie your value to it? No, You have a hair tie, <laughs> so... Yeah, when stuff gets real, you have a hair tie on your wrist. That's your, you get serious, you know. I don't have a watch, right? So what does that say? So what would make a guy say something like that? Like I had a guy one time tell me, you can tell me how much you value communication by the kind of pen you use. And I thought, you are a moron, <laughs> you know? That is like the most ridiculous thing I think I've heard, right? Because you can afford a Mont Blanc you value communication. Dude, it's called texting, right? You don't need a pen anymore. Like, <laughs> that's an old school thing. Whereas my kids would say, okay, boomer. Uh, no offense to the boomers out there. We all love you, but. Or how about this? If this is all about our values, who said this? As citizens of this great nation, it is kindness, love, and compassion for each other that will bring us together and keep us together. These are the values we will bring to the White House. Who said that? Kindness, love, and compassion for each other. <laughs> Lincoln, Carter, not Michelle. It was not Nixon. It was not Lincoln. It was Melania Trump. <laughs> the spirit just left the building. This just shows you the inadequacy of pillow talk to influence your partner, right? Uh, we would have loved for his tenure to be marked by kindness, love, and compassion for each other coming from the White House, but that's not what we experienced. So there's, we obviously are used to this clash of values whether it's your watch or whether you get up and say to the American people, we're going to be all about kindness, and then you are constantly rude, right? There, we don't like this disconnect between what we say we believe and what we really believe. But we also, it's really important for us to understand the cultural water in which we live because we actually live in a country that has a set of values as a country. What is the number one American value that comes on top of every single poll ever taken? Freedom. Freedom is the number one American value, and we die for it. 
We were formed on it, and we will die for it. What does freedom mean? Most of us mean by freedom, I am free from restraint. I'm free to do what I want to do, go where I want to go, hang with who I want to hang with, do the job I want to do, and by the way, by default, don't you dare tell me what to do, right? Uh, this is really inbred into us from the moment uh, we were born. I mean, the Pledge of Allegiance with liberty and justice for all. We are the land of the free and the home of the brave. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But what, where has that taken us? If we look at our economy, the economy of freedom... Is anybody happy with what our economy has morphed into over a couple hundred years? We as a country have spent freely so that we are now crippled in debt, that we cannot pay our obligations. We as citizens are saddled with debt, right, that we cannot pay our bills. We are unhappy with how the wealth gap is continuing to uh, show this big uh, chasm because they are, the wealthy are just free to do whatever they want to do. So we're actually very dissatisfied with where freedom has gotten us because we have spent uh, just however we wanted and we have neglected our country. We're not happy with where freedom has gotten us with our government, are we? Raise your hand if you are happy with the state of the government of the United States of America and the city of Denver, Colorado. None of us are happy with it. And we're really not happy with what's happened in our communities. We still demand it, though, believe me. Like, you can't push on people's freedoms. And we are wanting more and more and more freedoms and less and less restraint all the time. And now we have a mental health crisis. We have everything. The richest country. The, the, we have freedom. We have the ability to start a business tomorrow if we want for 50 bucks on the Secretary of State's website. We can, we can do what we want to do. And we are miserable. And we're shooting each other. And we're depressed. And we're, we're, we don't know how to handle it. My son is into cars. And we have, uh, he's started a social media channel on TikTok. And uh, so he and I are learning TikTok together. And uh, it's hard for me to learn TikTok, so I started my own little TikTok channel so I could learn how to do the little videos. I don't dance. But, uh, you know, I'm learning TikTok with him. And, he, you know, he's gone viral, and he's done all this stuff. And I'm just trying to keep up as we talk about his TikTok strategy for his little nonprofit he's starting. But I've stumbled into a realm of TikTok that's motivation and inspiration. And it is horrifying to me <laughs> what I see coming across TikTok. This whole self-centered view of self-love and self-compassion I feel like is like falling in on itself. I mean, a, a, a typical TikTok video is like, the only person you can trust in the world is you. <laughs> Boom, it goes viral. You know, if a friend ever became your enemy, they have hated you since day one. Like, share, spread, you know, and it's just millions of views, you know. Uh, sometime in life, you must cut off every single person in your life and just do you. And this is what's going viral, folks. Freedom has got us to this point where we, we can actually do what we want, but we are just flat out miserable. We don't know what to do with the freedom. Well, I got good news for you in the middle of all this bad news. The value of the kingdom of God has nothing to do with freedom in America. Freedom is not a gospel and kingdom value. I know someone's going to email me and talk about freedom in Christ. That has nothing to do with American freedom. American freedom is not a kingdom value. Liberty is not a kingdom value. And if we get drunk on the cultural water of freedom, we will actually not live kingdom-centered and God-centered lives. It was Eisenhower who said, a people that values its privileges above its principles will soon lose both. And you're watching it happen. We cannot continue to live in freedom-at-all-cost culture and neglect what's happening to our neighbor. 
So the, the New Testament is basically a diatribe against personal freedom. <laughs> we just sang a song that totally contradicts the narrative of American culture and freedom. Mark chapter 12, if you've got it. Let me just give you one kingdom value here in Mark 12. And it says in verse 4, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. <laughs> you realize how un-American that is? Hey, guys, don't worry about the people who can kill you because they can't really do much after that, right? You're dead. Don't, so don't worry about that. How much of our lives worries about that verse right there, Right? I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Fear him. <laughs> it just doesn't sit very well this morning, does it, right? Now, there's interpretations that say that that's talking about Satan, and some people say that that's talking about God. Regardless, it's saying your primary concern ought not be your personal safety and whether or not someone's going to kill you. Your primary value ought to be you're going to one day give an account for your life and you are an eternal being and you are going to live forever. That is a completely different value set than 95% of this culture thinks about. If you go down to the parable of the rich fool at the bottom uh, there in verse 16, he, he, he's given, Jesus given a parable and he said, the ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. In other words, I have more money than I know what to do with. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain. Let it for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? Can you imagine walking into your financial planner's office and you map out what you want to do with your wealth when you pass away and your financial planner looks at you and goes, are you really sure you want to put all that into your 401k and the Roth that I'm getting a percentage from? Uh, and do you really want to give all that money to your kids? Uh, really, do you, I think you should, because you really might die tomorrow. Maybe you should give more money away like right now. There's no financial planner in the country that will do that to somebody. Why? Because most of the advice that we're given in financial planning are not kingdom values. They don't take into account that your primary goal in life is not to build bigger barns, right? We are here to do good in the world with the resources that God has given us. I'm not neglecting savings and all that kind of stuff, but by and large, we're saving way too much. We're in the largest generational exchange of wealth in world history right now with the passing of the boomer generation. And it's just going on to the next generation. And 90% of all wealth is squandered by the third generation. And of the stuff that lasts for the fourth generation, 80% of that is squandered by the end of the fourth generation. Like, we are just blowing the cash, and we have global issues. So we must live different lives American values will talk all about safety. Safety is not a kingdom value. The, the most unsafe place to be in the world is the center of the will of God. It is the most unsafe place in the world because you could lose your life. And that is okay, according to Jesus. America will tell you to play it safe. Jesus will say, take a risk. America will tell you to do whatever you can to make sure that you are completely secure. And Jesus says, uh, I, I actually think you should think about a missional legacy with your life, not just a financial legacy with your life. American values is independence, and you do you. And a kingdom value is love one another and be in relationship. The American value is rugged individualism. The kingdom value is radical, deep, sharing community. The, the, the value of, of America is tolerance. We don't like each other, but we should at least tolerate one another. In the kingdom of God, it's like, no, you don't just tolerate those people. Love your enemies. That's a kingdom value. The American value is I want it instantly. Jesus says just take your life and continue to sow and let that grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, and then it will bear much fruit with your life. The American value right now is to yell at people who don't agree with you. The kingdom value is to listen and to love. And when that happens, when a group of people say, 
I reject the pagan values of my culture, and I'm going to imbibe on kingdom values, folks, things happen. The whole history of this ministry was, if you were going to join this church, you had to make four commitments. Gather, grow, give, and go. You gather on the weekend. You had to promise to come to the weekend gathering. You had to be in a small group for six months before you were allowed to join this church. You had to promise to give financially, and you had to have an outreach in the community, or you weren't allowed to join. That was what kind of birthed this church. We said, we'd rather have 50 Marines than 500 National Guard any day. No offense, National Guard people, but like, we didn't want weekend warrior Christianity. And we're still all about that. This church is always hovered between 100 and 250 people. If you were to take all the collected offerings from 15 years of the church, it would total about $5 million. And if you total how much money this church has leveraged for the sake of this community through cross-purpose and its various outreaches, by December 31st, it will be $43 million. It's almost a 10 to 1 for the kind of the money we're given to kind of take care of our needs, the money that we're actually trying to use to help our neighbors as well. This is a kingdom value way of looking at ministry and communities. And by the way, it's not just spending the money. It's now there's over 1,000 people who are no longer living in financial poverty who are living lives of freedom, right? They're experiencing this life they did not were able to live before. So, folks, we are, I like what Juan says, we are just on the ground floor. We are just starting. And so on this 10-year anniversary, we want to actually celebrate our values, a little story on our core values. When we came out of the gates with cross-purpose or with providence, I listed out our 10 core values. I still have the document. It was like God-centered, Bible-saturated, prayer-empowered, spirit-infused, like all this stuff. And uh, I walked up to this a friend of mine, and he's like, Jason, every church believes that. I said, no, but we really believe it. Like, we really do. Like, we're not going to have this chasm between what we say and what we do. He goes, there's a way you could say it that would be different, say the same thing, but actually gets to the heart of what you're trying to do as a ministry. And that's where these seven core values were birthed out. And these are what we actually hold dear Uh, Juan would say these are his personal values for life, and by default, they became the values of the church and the nonprofit as well. This is what we're all about, these values. So this morning, we're going to celebrate these values and talk about them uh, in in kind of an order so you can kind of be reacquainted with the values that drive us. And by the way, folks, cross-purpose is just one way of doing it. It's not the only way. There are there's a group of women here who are getting around every mother's advocate to help uh, mothers in crisis. Uh, I talked with uh, Charlie uh, this week, and I understand you guys are really uh, up and kicking. That's awesome. So is all we care about really honestly are these seven values and that they get lived out in whatever role God may have for you. Today we're going to celebrate how they're expressed through cross-purpose. So one of our key values, and I would call this the Jesus value, is redemptive edge. The redemptive edge is this idea that we actually serve a redeemer. Jesus Christ, through the gospel, gave his life for us. And if you look at his life, he was always running to the edge. He was looking for the people that society had left behind, and he lived on that redemptive edge. And so we, as a ministry, always want to continue to pursue people on that edge that society has left behind. It was actually this year, um, I... Um, Jerome will remember this, but we actually started to start this church as a recovery group. That was kind of our goal. It's like we felt AA was really better at church than the church was, so could we start it? And we tried two or three times, and we utterly failed. Well, this year, 15 years in, I thought, boy, it'd be great to kind of start that recovery group. Jen and I had run one for about five years, and it blessed a lot of people. So I put the call out there, and two staff members, um, Jasmine Gray and John Livingston, emailed me and said, can I run that ministry? And I only planned on one person running it. And so I talked to both of them, and I thought, well, if they could team up and get along, uh, that would be amazing. They're both alumni of Cross Purpose and uh, both work on staff here full time. So I thought, who better to lead this? And I thought, could you even then make it run completely by alum? Well, they not only did that, um, they now have a leadership team of nine people, all alumni, who run Live Different Recovery. 
So to me, this is like God still showing us this redemptive edge and charging hell with a squirt gun and saying, God, help us by your grace. Um, it, was, it, was at that, it was at that moment, too, a board member slipped me a check, and uh, I opened up the envelope. It was $25,000 and said, uh, my father-in-law would like to give this to the ministry. He'd really like to be used it for anything to do with, like, recovery. And I was like, oh, okay. So I, I called Jazz and Livy. says, you got money. Go to training in Dallas and all that kind of stuff. So let's welcome Jazz and Livy to talk about the redemptive edge and live different recovery. All right. Good morning, everyone. All right. So um, we'll, we'll go ahead and get started and tell you guys a little bit about how we uh, got involved in our why, but um, us being leaders and then alumni and then having the uh, privilege to work on staff here at Cross Purpose, we noticed um, a lot of leaders and alumni had stories very similar to our own. Um, a lot of people were reaching out for additional assistance aside from career support. Um, and so one day we're like, you know, I'm passing people to Libby, and I'm like, hey, Libby, can you help this person with this? And then we just, one day came together, we're like, we should start a recovery group, and we're like, yeah, we'll think about it. And then they put the call out, and we both looked at each other across the room, and we're like, okay, we're going to do this. <laughs> um, and uh, a little bit about my why. Um, I have struggled with addiction since I was 10 years old uh, to substances. I've experienced very various traumas, um, childhood and into my teen years and as an adult. Um, I've spent a lot of time incarcerated and you know, I've lost my children um, and uh, like to the system. And you know, God has redeemed my life and he's restored these things. Like I have my daughter full time, she lives with me now. <laughs> Today she's with her dad, so she's not here. <laughs> um, I'll be celebrating seven years of sobriety on the 16th. And, um, you know, since, since I've, like, entered into recovery and, and I've invited God into my life and I've been pursuing him actively, um, he's just restored all of these things. And I just want to share that and teach that and create a space where people are allowed to be broken um, and share and learn how to heal together. So that's my why. Libby? My why is on very similar lines. Um, my story's a little different. Um, I grew up with most everything that you would want somebody to have um, and, and had what most would consider much of the American dream. But that wasn't enough for what I, that didn't scratch the itch that I had, that didn't, that didn't fill the void that uh, only God could. Um, so I delved into alcoholism rather severely, which ultimately led to my incarceration. Um, and after three weeks with a alcohol monitoring unit on me 24-7 and being told I'd spend the next two years in a small jail cell, I uh, was able to find sobriety and went into white-knuckled, went into a 12-step uh, meeting, and my life changed rather dramatically from there. And I am also here to give freely what was given freely to me. All right, so what is Live Different Recovery? Next slide. Um, so we are a safe, creative, and uplifting space um, that offers uh, diverse person-centered recovery options and Christ-centered 12-step education uh, to our neighbors. Um, we are also a space where personal connections foster success and allow challenging circumstances to be conquered. Um, really quick, I do want to, um, yeah, actually, no, just ne next slide, sorry. The process of becoming well again after an illness or injury, I and mean, that's what it is recovery. You know, you recover from a cold, you recover from an illness, you break an arm, you break a leg, addiction, trauma, domestic violence, death, broken relationships, divorce, betrayal, cancer, grief, the things that cause you pain, we need to recover from. And this is a program for all, in which all are welcome. We love and welcome our neighbors. Feel free to come on any Friday evening. Bring anyone. Uh, direct association with Cross Purpose or Providence is not necessary. Um, we've had people who were literally walking by the door, saw that we had something going on, and have been here every, every week since. 
and it is here Fridays from 6 to 8. Has, uh, oh, geez, that was me. Um, <laughs> uh, it is an all-cross-purpose alumni leadership team. I'm going to run through these names quick, not out of disrespect. We've got time, but I want to say their names. Erica Crone-Codwell, Yolanda Young, Melee. Oh, Yolanda's on there twice. Me, Roxanne, Jasmine, Angel, and Cindy. And if you're on the team, go ahead and stand up. Roxy, I see you. Okay. Woo. And then if you've ever attended Live Different Recovery and you attend, please stand up. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So what happens on Friday nights? Some of you know a little bit about family gathering if you've ever been an ally. And um, uh, yeah, so it's very similar to that. We offer a community meal. Child care is on-site. On we have shout-outs, guest speakers, and uh, we also create a space where you can lift up your challenges um, for prayer, and then we hold a moment of silence. We do monthly recovery celebrations, monthly open mic. That's rather popular. <laughs> we have sponsors, prayer partners, and we utilize small groups for individual shares. We... There are ways to get involved. We're always looking for help. Um, we are a small group. Um, a number of our alumni uh, leaders have jobs of their own and stuff of that. So we're looking for people who would be willing to sponsor a Friday night meal, either once, monthly, or quarterly. Uh, shout out to the Purvis Community Group. They're going to be coming and helping us with a, uh, the community meal this Friday. You can volunteer for child care. Be a guest speaker. Uh, we ask that you be in long-term recovery, an opportunity to share your story, encourage others, and set yourself free. Uh, we also uh, have like set up and meals, uh, set up and meal prep. So we come and we set up. We start setting up about three. You can arrive anytime between three and six, and we have a lot to do. Um, and uh, we also have prayer partners. Um, we where you can connect with like a neighbor weekly or bi-weekly to pray with them. Um, and then we have small groups. We are looking for a second, second language facilitator to uh, host a small group in our community, as well as anybody who's interested in doing like a three-week workshop during our small group hours, which is between seven and eight. Okay, guys, I'm gonna cut you short because I know there's tons of ways to get involved, and there's tons of events, and there's ugly sweater contests. <laughs> but what impact have you guys had since August 1st when you started? The moment that stood out for me is when we had somebody who had came to us organically in our first or second meeting, had asked me after the third meeting what's cross-purpose. Um, had no idea what Providence Bible Church was and stood up and said in tears that I've been praying for this, to be in this neighborhood for years, mm. and here you are. Mm. Jazz? Um, <clears throat> since we began this, we've had over 300 just people coming in from the community, different people to come check us out. We have a core group of about 30 uh, people. Um, and yeah, we've been able to see lives changed. Um, there's a couple of people that um, have, you know, even decided to leave their jobs and get a new career doing something different or um, They've, you know, they're like stepping out in faith and becoming a part of a community that they're like, oh my goodness, I, I didn't know that this was here. I didn't know about these steps that I could take to heal. Um, and just like seeing the small groups and how people support each other, there's a, there's a girl too that she just, she just gives and gives and gives and she, she's going through a hard time and she gave a lot of baby items to another person in the community this week and, um, just the way the community supports each other, I think, is the is a huge blessing. Um, yeah. So why why are you running to the redemptive edge? Because society doesn't really care about these people, except that they cost something to society. We are the redemptive edge. I mean, we've been sleeping. I mean, I've slept in cars, slept on couches, jail, um, incarceration, come out couldn't get a job at Walmart, stocking shelves overnight. I, I know what it's like for society to say, we don't want anything to do with you. We don't even want you to exist. Mm. So to lift others up to 
make them realize that they do have a place in this world and that they do have value. Mm. That's what's all about. I wouldn't expect that from a guy getting his degree in accounting mm. and all buttoned up in a cardigan. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> and Livy, you've become much more fluent in public speaking. I just want to let you know, God might be calling you to something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we say the same thing, Pastor Livy. Whoa! Uh, we call him that. <laughs> uh, and, uh, we just yeah. got to button that collar and give you a little thing, and you'll be, you'll be all set. So, <laughs> Jazz, why the redemptive edge for you? You know, all my life I've been told that I couldn't, that I wasn't smart enough, um, that I didn't have the resources, um, or, you know, and, and it was like by the people closest to me. Um, and I've been turned down like job after job. Um, I've tried to raise my children on my own. I fell into addiction, and, and I've lost everything multiple times. Uh, but um, I also know what it's like um, to see God uh, move in that space, and I know what I needed. Um, if I hadn't been released um, from prison and found community and cross-purpose, um, and that's what I mean by, like, the love that I needed was people to believe in me and, and speak life over me. And um, not everybody has the opportunity to come through these doors, like, through the program way, right? Um, and so, like, not everybody has access to that type of love. Um, but if we can give that freely with no barriers to entry, um, and just love on people and community and, and show them, like, hey, mm -hmm. and give a testimony, right? Mm -hmm. God has restored this for me um, through my recovery. Just keep pushing. Just hang in there. Hold on, you know? Hold on for the ride because it's wild. <laughs> it's wild. Um, then I, then I want to do that, too. I want to pull people and bring them with me. Yeah. We, we don't thank you for doing Live Different Recovery because it's not, that's not the point. We commend you on your faith of running to the redemptive edge and standing in the gap for people. Let's give it up for Livy and Jazz. Thank you. Give me a hug. Staff, we just saw Livy give a hug. I just want to make sure we note that. So, Pastor and hugger. He, he fights me on the hugs a lot. <laughs> I attacked him on Friday. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next value is the relational weave. So the relational weave is this idea that we're, um, Christy Lanzen made this uh, tapestry here on the cross. Uh, people from all different backgrounds and ethnicities and countries brought a piece of, piece of cloth, and Christy wove that into one as a picture of the fabric that's being woven here relationally, which is really countercultural to what's happening in our world as well. So the relational weave is really a big deal for us. Um, but we also want to take this weave and bring it to other churches as well, and we're doing that through Cross Purpose. Our goal is to actually build a network of about 50 churches across the Denver metro area who are allying and getting involved in this relational weave. We currently have eight official missional partners. That means they not only sign on to volunteer, they also give between 1% and 3% of their general fund budget to Cross Purpose in partnership. We haven't signed a contract. We're, we're serious. So um, our our one of our big partners on the south side of town, we opened our second location, is Billy Waters with Wellspring Church, and he has uh, cut a quick video for us because he's with his congregation this morning about the relational weave. Hi, Cross Purpose. My name is Billy Waters, and I'm the lead pastor here at Wellspring. And I just wanted to take a few moments just to share about how our relationship has really impacted us as a church. There was a lady who used to attend Wellspring and then also in the midst of her homelessness and difficult situation, she was also benefiting from our food ministry. We were giving her food for the week. We we're giving her a hot meal, love, care, prayer, um, some medical, basic medical services. Uh, and she would say that this would be the place where she was experiencing the love of God when every other area of her life she wasn't experiencing. Well, that was 13 years ago. Well, through a number of situations, homelessness, and just difficulties in life, being in a very difficult relationship, uh, we hadn't seen her in a long time. Well, come to find out that uh, just recently she was at the public library, and the librarian said, you need to go up to the second floor 
and get this pamphlet of a new resource for those that want to get out of poverty. Well, it just so happened to be the pamphlet for Cross Purpose. She read it, uh, she applied, she became a leader, was accepted, and then after she was accepted a leader, she all she found out that the same church that helped her 13 years ago is now in partnership with Cross Purpose, not just helping people while they're in poverty, but helping people out of poverty. And so she went full circle going from what we, what we were providing for her 13 years ago, now coming from a place of not just being able to have food on the table for the day, but also now to be able to have a job, to build relationships with a new set of friends. And now she has a new lot on life. She has hope. Um, and that's the power of this relationship. And when I hear stories like that, or I think about all the things that you guys have done, I'm just so deeply grateful for this relationship. So thank you, Cross Purpose. May the Lord bless you, keep you, and may the face of God continue to shine his goodness and grace upon you. Amen. Amen. Our third value is truth-telling. Truth-telling has three components to it. One, we believe in the truth of the Word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our central and core message. Uh, we also then believe in when people sway from the right track, that we tell them the truth on how to get back on the right track. And as well as when people are doing well, we also affirm them as well. If you've ever been on a warm seat at Cross Purpose or at Providence, you know what that means. And so to talk about truth-telling, I'd ask uh, Jackie Enriquez and Christine Jolie, uh, Kristen Jolie to come on forward. And uh, Jackie's going to talk about her work with Patty and Identity Development, and then Kristen's going to talk about uh, sharing her story. So ladies, you come on up. Good morning. Long time no see. <laughs> I love being up here. I could go over and over again and testify about cross-purpose and... Um, I could just do it over and over again a million times. By the way, those who don't know me, my name is Jacqueline. Um, I'm probably one of the happiest um, graduates and supporters of Cross Purpose. Um, there's so many blessings that I could tell you about, but today I just specifically want to share my experience with the personal, personal identity sessions um, that I was able to have with the one and only Mrs. Patty Brim. <laughs> Um, I remember when I first came to Cross Purpose and we were offered um, the sessions, um, there was probably about 50 of us sitting in here, and um, Patty was able to tell us her personal story, and I think we just all connected, and she, I remember she had a sign-up sheet here, and she said, okay, everybody come and sign up who wants to do the sessions, and before you knew it, it was completely filled up, like within five minutes, and I know she had a waiting list, and I know that she still does now, but um, when I started the sessions, um, I came in, I had a lot of obstacles. I was like dealing with a lot of things. Um, I was lost, angry, I felt judgmental. I was very um, unhealthy and I was just really a lost soul. Um, through the sessions, I started to realize that my childhood had a huge impact um, on my adult life and I had been carrying a lot of guilt and shame and about myself, and my family was very broken at that time. Um, I already had faith, um, but I asked Patty to help me trust that faith and to understand it, and she helped me more than you can ever imagine. Um, I was able to forgive myself, others, and throw away all that baggage that I had through the love of Jesus. Um, my family is now strong and connected, and my daughter's going to the different recovery program every Friday, and she's loving. The best thing is I'm a grandma that has my Friday nights free still because <laughs> they provide daycare, so yes. <laughs> I began to love myself, feel confident about myself and my future and how to pray. And as you guys can see now, I'm just so radiant and shining, and there's so many blessings. And just within this last couple of years through Class Purpose, you would be amazed of the number of things that have happened. Um, the main takeaways from my personal identity sessions is that I can be honest about my weakness, be more empathetic, but at the same time be firm and be very proud of all my accomplishments. And believe me when I say that there have been many blessings these last few years. I've been given a new heart, and from that, um, I take that from Psalms 51.10, 
Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. So I'm just so excited for everyone that takes the initiative to take part in these sessions. And not only was Patty a great coach, mentor, and cheerleader, but she became a very, very dear friend. And my life's been truly best, blessed being just a part of Cross Purpose. And they've never stopped supporting me, even in a moment's notice. So thank you so much. <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Kristen Jolie, and I just started at Cross Purpose um, in September, and um, I might read a little bit because I'm not super prepared, but um, one way I've seen the truth-telling value in action is structurally with business, so Cross Purpose is doing a lot of things wonderfully, but one of the things they asked me to do when I came in was to improve the alley experience. Um, so have you guys seen like the Oprah gif where she's like, you get a car, you get a car. Sometimes I felt like, I'm like, this can be improved, this can be improved, this can be improved. And nobody has been offended, nobody has been upset. Um, Cross Purpose has always been willing to change their program, change their mind. And that has been a breath of fresh air, business-wise. Um, the second way I've seen this value come alive is in the way that the staff, the leaders, allies, um, and partners are encouraged to share their lived experience. And... They're not asking for a whitewashed version, um, but they're saying if you are comfortable, share all the raw, real, and devastatingly beautiful parts of your chap chapters of your story. So um, not many people here at Prov or CP really know my story, but I've been in a lot of churches, Christian organizations, um, and even ministries where that's exactly what, the way they want it to be. And Today, as part of cross-purpose value of truth-telling, I've been asked to share a little bit of that. So to sum it up, um, in 2015, I left my marriage of three years due to severe domestic violence. And overnight, I found myself homeless, unemployed, um, and a single mother of two children under the age of two. So eventually, um, oh, and so I kept a pack and play in the back of my car. I lived at the church as much as I possibly could. They had like seven services a week, and so I was there as often as I could be. Um, and I slept at a lot of friends' houses with my pack and play in the back and my kids. And eventually, I rented a house by taking out the maximum amount of student loans that I could. And then I was working full-time as a county advocate. I was being a full-time mom. And then at night, I would just chip away at those classes and Pray to God that I passed them so I wasn't ineligible for student loans. Um, that has caught up with me with interest, by the way. Don't recommend it. So eventually I rented a, oh, I got that part. Uh, so eventually my kids and I did move back in with my parents in Wisconsin, um, and that was wonderful. But as a single income family, housing stability felt impossible. Um, and so I faced that for many years, even though I was working, I was going to school, um, in 2018, I moved into single-parent housing. It's an apartment called Warren Village, which some of you may be aware of. They're amazing, and they provided me and my kids with a lot of really critical resources. Um, so today, I am married to an incredible man, Jeremy. Yes. <laughs> Thought Tucker would do that. And um, I'm finishing my bachelor's degree. I now have sole legal and physical custody of my children. Yes. And I have a third and last child. Um, I own a home, and I really am thriving emotionally and spiritually. But the reality of it is, seven years later, I am still catching up economically in many ways. That's when your credit drops off. So um, in past organizations, as I said, my story has been a liability. And I was really nervous coming to Cross Purpose, actually, um, and feeling a bit triggered because I didn't know how much to reveal. But um, on Friday, I was asked to be up on this stage and share parts of my story to leaders here in Denver who were interested in learning about poverty and homelessness. And that felt like a huge honor. And so um, my story has been seen as an asset, not a liability. And to me, that is truth-telling in the kingdom. And that's, my story is just one sliver of the many that are being told 
to move the needle forward here across purpose. So thank you. Not bad for not being prepared, right? Uh, and by the way, it's not her fault. Someone backed out this morning, and we asked her when she walked in this morning if she would share that. So, um, by the way, it was actually Darren Valdez. We were giving a talk as a staff, and you can get employed here, but you can make 20% more if you have education, training, management, supervisory experience. So we call that the ETE differentials. And Darren Valdez was like, do I get anything for being homeless? And uh, it kind of stuck with me, and so we actually now have a, you can be like graduate from CU and get an undergrad compensation bump of 5%, but you can also graduate from the School of Hard Knocks, so if you have been homeless, in recovery, or in prison, you actually get additional pay. So we're the only place I know in town that pays more for a felony uh, <laughs> if you come to work here. So uh, that's listening to the community, so thank you guys. Another core value we have here is called All In. It's the difference between just participating and doing drive-by volunteering and commitment. Our core commitment here is a volunteer is an ally, and you come every single Wednesday night uh, for six months, plus uh, overnight retreat, plus uh, training, and uh, we constantly get pushback, like, that is so hard, that's so tough, that's so long. And I'm like, just tell me your kid's soccer schedule and show me your Netflix schedule. Like, you know, if we're not going to change the world, we're going to have to change how we spend our time. And so we haven't backed down on the Ally commitment from day one. We've had over 600 people do the Ally experience, and that changes lives. If you've been an Ally here, would you stand up? Uh, over the last 10 years, been an Ally? Yes. <laughs> stay standing, stay standing. 35%, 35% of you got to stay standing. 35% of all cross-purpose allies have come from Providence Bible Church. I mean, that's just, this little church has made a huge impact. If you've allied more than one time, you at least in a second round, stay standing. If you've allied three times or more, stay standing. If you've allied four times or more, stay standing. Lauren Steidel. Stay standing, Lauren. She loves this. Uh, Lauren was a board member for a number of years as well. We have a gift card for you for being the longest tenured ally and a huge friend to Cross Purpose. Thank you, Lauren Steidel. Okay, we have to hear from a couple more people. Roxy, come on up. Roxy is actually going to share about the core value called 4D. This is actually taken from Timothy where it says, uh, Paul trained Timothy, who trained faithful men to teach others also. And this is our multi-generational value. And so uh, this is a person who actually sees personal transformation, but they also then help other people as well. Uh, Roxy has done that. She also introduced her daughter to the program. Now she's on staff at Cross Purpose, which I believe was she, <laughs> she was totally intentional in uh, stalking us to get on uh, on the staff here, yeah. and she's she's not <laughs> stopping. So I just heard this story like three months ago, and I was like, you are devious. Uh, but I would do anything for Roxy, so we're, we're proud to have her on our team. So and she's an usher here at Providence as well. So Roxy, share us your words. Thank you. Um, I'm just so grateful. I, uh, I woke up this morning very, um, very grateful, and I was going to try not to break, but... God is so good. Um, he brought me here back in 2019. I wasn't supposed to be in class. Somebody, I was coming to support somebody. Um, I needed to get a job. I was trying to go, not be here. Well, I ended up coming to an info session, and I found love. And then after coming to class, I was like, I need to work here. And it just never went away. <laughs> and so, um, and then going through cross-purpose totally changed my life. Um, identity class changed me and it sticks with me for the rest of my life. It's part of who I am now because I was able to forgive myself and I live in gratefulness and gratitude. Um, I was able to restore, God was able to restore relationships with my family. When I came, I didn't have the family support. I had like a mental crisis that happened and I was severed from every part of my life. My 
I couldn't work where I used to. I couldn't live where I used to. I had nothing. I literally had Jesus. And then after coming through Cross Purpose and graduating, uh, he gave me back joy. He gave me back relationship with my children. He gave me back uh, self-worth, self-confidence that I'm able to do things. I, when I went for my um, job, I was told three times in the mail that this job was not for me, that they were passing me over. But the lady, but God, you know, she saw that I came through cross purpose and that I was trying and I wanted to do different in my life. So she gave me the job. She overruled their three times. And so then I not only became um, an HR assistant, I, I went from not being able to get hired to helping people get hired. Isn't God good? And then after that, a year later, like all my relationships with my kids just started growing more and more and more. And they seen me, they seen the change in me. My daughter came, she came through um, the 2020 class. And now I have a cousin that's in it. So like there's generational wealth. I bring my granddaughter to church all the time. She, she's like, oh, my friends are here. Oh, there's my friends. So she has an expectancy when she comes. My, do- my daughter now lives in the neighborhood. My granddaughter goes to the school down the block. She's in the Boys and Girls Club. So I- I'm here. And me starting the job here. <laughs> so I always looked at the emails that they sent. And there was an opportunity for a part-time custodian. I was like, I can do that. I can clean, no problem. But my intention was, Lord, let me be seen. Let me be available so that way I can be in here. I want, I want, I want to work with these people. I want to give back to the community. So I well, went I in. think you said, <laughs> I'm going to get in that building and let everybody fall in love with me with what you told me. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm working here, and I love my job. <laughs> Thank you. So now... What do you do every day, though, now? You move from custodian. What do you do? Now I'm an admissions specialist. What I do is I help people get qualified to be able to come into our um, wonderful place here to, to grow and change their life. I get to share my story with them and just, like, really give a, a real personal message to them like this is what it did for me and i get to touch the people who god assigned to me amen thank you roxy our next value is deep roots and uh, we are going to hear from the great tiffany johnson tiffany uh was student number one at cross purpose 10 years ago and that really came this is kind of the story of legend here uh, but she really, uh, she was our neighbor when we moved into Five Points. And Tiffany Wallace said, no, you were my neighbor when you moved into Five Points. But um, it was when a foster daughter was placed into our home, and my wife did not know how to do uh, her hair as a young black girl. And so Tiffany came over and taught my wife how to do the beads and the braids. And then I started hearing Tiffany's story that she was changing oil at the local Walmart and had been there for over a decade. And uh, I, I felt like my gospel needed to move beyond just helping people find out where their eternity was placed. And my gospel wanted to look more like Acts 2 and Acts 4, where the covenant community helped people get out of poverty as well. And so that began our journey as neighbors and friends, and we've been neighbors for 15 years. But Tiffany was the first one to join the program, and we are so proud of uh, her and what she's done. So let's welcome Tiffany Johnson. All right, so I am talking about deep roots. Um, And when I think of deep roots, um, the first thing that comes to mind is the anchorage of a plant. Um, This is the area that is not visible, um, and it kind of acts like a sponge uh, to absorb anything that is surrounding it. Conduction takes place, and the surroundings um, come to the surface. This is called the shoot. And this is the part that is on display for the world to see. My anchorage started in this neighborhood in the 1900s, if you ask my high school senior. (laughs) The address was 365 22nd Street, Apartment E. I went to Ebert Elementary, 
This school was right across the street from my house and was failing academically. This was my resoiling phase. My mom had me bus to Knight Academy in Cherry Creek. Um, when I got there, all the third graders already knew their multiplication facts and they knew how to write in cursive. So I was really far behind. The enemies to success are the comfort zone, learned helplessness, and the path of least resistant. Ds and Fs were unacceptable in my house and Cs were average. My mom would say, I didn't bust you all the way to that school to be average. Oh, and a B minus was a glorified C. <laughs> no one rises to the occasion, they rise to the training. Sunday papers at the time were 50 cents. Bigs and Cub Foods would have this cart return. So if you went to go gather the carts, you would take them back to the cart return and you would get a quarter. As soon as we got out the car, me and my brother would race to go collect all the quarters that we could. My brother would collect his quarters and he would play games at the arcade when we were at the laundromat. I would save my quarters to buy, a pap to buy papers on Sunday. Not because I was reading the paper, but because I would put my 50 cent in the machine, I would take out all the papers, and then I would sell them for a quarter. <laughs> Once you see a stem of a plant, you start to make plans for it. Through one lens, someone might have saw a felon. Through another lens, an entrepreneur. Developers decided that the neighborhood needed repotting. So one day, I went from making memories, and the next day, my history was a blank canvas. My mom taught me how to survive, how to make something out of nothing. And if you're going to show up, it better be better than average. At this time, I had a stem and leaves, but I hadn't started to bud. People who struggle financially often hang around people who struggle financially. People who are stagnant in their career often hang around people who are stagnant in their career. You have to get around people who are where you want to be. And if you don't see something new, you're going to continue to do the same thing that you've always been doing. You have to get around people that have your solution and not your problems. <laughs> Cross purpose ignited that flame. I had been at my job for years and I was doing the same thing over and over and over again. And the biggest thing that Cross Purpose did um, was just give me a different way to skin the cat. So it's kind of like that GPS, right? So like back in the day before they upgraded the GPS, you would know where you were trying to go and you would drive there and the GPS was telling you another way to go. The old school version, which was cross purpose, was say recalculating. And everybody knows that was annoying. And the new version, it kind of doesn't say recalculating, it just changes the direction that you're going. As I was about to graduate um, from the founding class, uh, my four month old daughter's heart stopped. And I could have basically took everything that I learned from Cross Purpose and went back to what was more familiar for me, what was easy, what was the path of the least resistant. But God kind of worked on me. Um, there was a lot of pride that I had and that I couldn't swallow to get me to where I wanted to be. When you think of control, um, control stops correction. So I knew where I was going. I knew where I wanted to be, 
but I was in control and I did not want to lose that control. But when your daughter's on life support, you start to realize that you're not in control. So that was a trigger, like something went off and was like, hey, step out of your ways, swallow that pride um, and figure it out. So while I was um, on maternity leave, I had got offered a position uh, from another company through the manager who used to manage the Walmart that I was at and asked me if I was ready to leave that location to come and be a store manager um, somewhere else. Um, so I took that position. Once I had that position, someone from that location asked me, hey, we need you over here. Can you take this position? So I went to get a promotion and took a senior store level position at the local FedEx office. I was the first uh, black female senior store manager in Denver, Colorado. So from there, it definitely wasn't easy, um, especially a female in a leadership role, but then a black female in a leadership role. And so um, it was hard. Um, and I just look back to remember what my mom said and those roots uh, that she planted. And if I'm gonna show up to anything, it better be better than average. So I led my team to third in the nation um, with the full team of minority. So after being at Cross Purpose, you just want to give other people that same opportunity that you had. So a lot of times in the interview process, people would pass up on candidates for whatever reason um, that they brought up in the interview, and I would say, I will take them at my location. Those people worked harder, um, and they just had somebody to look up to and we were all fighting for the same thing, to be better than average. I was recently uh, recruited to another company. Um, so after taking my team to New Heights, um, someone else said, hey, we need a salesperson. Um, would you like the position? And I was like, I'm operations, <laughs> not sales. But this is what I need. <laughs> and they agreed. Um, so I left FedEx, and now I am the senior executive in sales for ABC Imaging. So all that to say is whoever's out there in the audience that is thinking about if this is the right spot for them, it is. For my daughter, who's out there in the stands, um, show up and be loud and be big and own the room, and if there's not a seat at the table, pull up a chair. So proud of Tiffany, and uh, also just bought her first home on Bruce Randolph, and so, um, and I always joke about this, that she's now joined our board, so my neighbor's now my boss, so she can fire me, so. I got my evaluation on Monday, so I'm really nervous. So, uh, but um, honestly, guys, Cross Purpose is just, uh, I don't know my wife when she's back there, but it's just scaling this relationship because she, she healed us. We, were, we had a poverty of meaning and a, a lack of a fully lived out faith, and she gave us that opportunity and then educated us in the neighborhood. And then we uh, started Cross Purpose, and she became student number one. And uh, this journey, I just, it's given us both life and now this year, th this will be duplicated uh, 300 times. Next year, 400 times. And by 2025, it will happen 800 times. So thank you all for support of Cross Purpose and all that's been over the years. Congratulations. I'm going to ask Ray and Patty to come on up. Our last value uh, before we take the Lord's table here is called expensive love. And we saved it for the last because... Ray and Patty came to us about 10 years ago and uh, just looking for something new in life as well, had served their entire lives in ministry, and uh, but actually we're flat broke too, 
And uh, we had just purchased the Steel Street Apartments, and they moved into the basement apartment because we had started a leadership development program for millennials coming out of school in a two-year urban leadership immersion experience called the, the Fellowship. And uh, they became mom and dad to 47 different fellows who rolled in and out of the Steel Street Apartments. Most people here don't even remember those days. Um, but then we've also used that uh, for a number of other families in need over the years. Well, we just sold the Steel Street Apartments, and um, that's now being used. Uh, Jeff Hall's starting a ministry out of there to help young men coming out of this neighborhood be in transitional housing. Uh, but uh, these two have laid down their lives uh, for this neighborhood, for this ministry, and have lived in a basement apartment. Uh, and they're, they're uh, up there in years in life, uh, I think I can say. And, and I know <laughs> that... Uh, <laughs> Patty, you don't look like it, but Ray... <clears throat> um, I have a deep passion for ministry families who've, uh, we all heard in Bible college, go pick up a base and a towel and go serve, don't matter the paycheck, just go serve. And then you get to retirement and realize you don't have anything. And uh, that, that's a crime, um, that you don't have to sacrifice your firstborn to go into Christian ministry. And so when God blesses us, it's incumbent on us to bless others, so... Uh, We love you guys. And uh, Providence would like to give you guys uh, $15,000 toward a down payment on a house. So you can sit. Thank you guys very much. All right, that's one of the seven core values, and I wanted to say before Josh comes for the Lord's table that cross-purpose may not be for you. Those values we think are kingdom values, and they're far more powerful than freedom, right? Most of the Bible was written while people were under oppression. Kingdom values can work in any context, in any ministry, in your lives today, in your lives tomorrow, and that's all we want to be. So thank you for being here this morning. Josh, come and close us with the Lord's table.